Happy Thanksgiving journey. How you doing? Good. Oh, some of you are still very full from turkey. Okay. Leftover tip. Leftover tip. I didn't give this to the 9 o'clock. Give it to you at the 11 o'clock, okay? Uh, turkey pot pie. I'm just saying try it. It'll blow your mind. Okay, turkey pot pie. That's, that's how we're starting today. For those of you I haven't met yet, uh, my name is Brian, and that's what you're going to deal with for the rest of our time together. A little bit of random thoughts by Brian, but I am so excited to be with you this morning. Many of you know I used to be the teaching pastor here, and so glad to be with you this morning. Uh, we start Advent for uh, those of you who are kind of new to this whole Christian thing. That's a, the four weeks leading up to Christmas. Uh, it's a time of awaiting uh, the birth of Christ. And so uh, I'm excited to kind of set the table for that. We are going to have a new series next week. I'd love to invite you back to that. It's about making room, making room in your life in this busy season. We pack a lot of things in between Thanksgiving and Christmas and then New Year 2023 right after that. And so you need to make a little room. I need to make a little room. We all need to make a little room. And we're going to be talking about our time, our treasure, our talents, and our plans, and how to make room in our lives, make margin in our lives uh, for those really important things. And so today, I want to set the table for that by having a gospel conversation. I want to have a conversation today about the gospel, about the simple gospel, so that going into this new series, we have a clear picture of why we're doing what we are doing. We're going to spend our time in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10, and I'm going to read for us Romans 10, 9 through 15. It says this, this is Paul Speaking to Romans, Romans in a culture similar to ours, very highly educated people, uh, people who are ahead of their time in some ways. He's speaking to the Romans and he says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in and how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the, say this last two words with me, good news. Good news. That's what we're going to talk about today. The good news. Here's the question to get us going this morning. So Paul's talking about this gospel. What is the gospel? What is the gospel. For, for some of you, maybe from the South, you're thinking has something to do with choir robes and choirs, okay? The, go- the gospel message has something to do with that. For those of you who are new around the church, you're like, I knew it, weird words already. We were like five minutes in the sermon, weird word, gospel, don't even know what it means. For those of you who are church folk, you've grown up in this, you're like, I know, I want to get the A, I know. Okay, so we're going to have a little talk back time online. Let me know what is the gospel. Type it into the chat. Have a little conversation on there. In here, I want us to have a little conversation too. So I want you to actually talk to each other 
a little bit about what is the gospel. Do you have a, uh, talk to each other for a moment. What's the gospel? Just give it a word or two to your neighbor. What's the gospel? Come on, come on, do it. What's the gospel? What is the gospel? It's a really important question in church. I'm just gonna let you know, hint, hint. Big question in church. The gospel, okay, okay. Who's like dying to let me know? I know what the gospel is. Somebody, be brave. Who knows, who knows? Who, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna pick on you too much. Uh, just come on, be brave. We got a hand, somebody, somebody. Okay, yes, the gospel is. The word of God. What do you mean by the word of God? Keep going with me, I'm gonna talk with you. It's this, I love this. It's more than that. I, that that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna work on this part, how far is today, okay? It's this, keep going. Teaching. I heard Jesus. That's the right, that's the right answer, right? You ever heard the one about, the, I'm, this is just for me and you, okay? You ever heard the one about the, the pastor who's with a group of kids and he's describing something? He's like, hey, what's brown and furry, has a large tail, jumps nibbly bibbly from limb to limb and stores nuts for the winter. And the kids all look at him and, and one kid sheepishly raises his hand and goes, ah, oh, it sure sounds like a chipmunk, but we're in church and so the answer must be Jesus. <laughs> This is funny. It's good. Okay. All right. Jesus, I like that. Anybody else? Be brave. Be brave. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? Somebody's like holding an iPad out to me or something, a screen. I see it. What does it say? Come on, my man. What's up? What? The good news of Jesus. My guy. That's right. It's the good news of Jesus. That's right. So gospel actually means the word good news. If you break down that word, it means good news about Jesus. So, so what is the gospel? That's what we're talking about this morning. Here's the gospel. The gospel is this, that God has come near to us, that God is not far away from us, that the whole Old Testament was all about God. All pointing to something, the coming of someone, a savior who would save the people from their sins. And he appeared. He came to be with us. That's what we're in the midst of celebrating at Christmas. We celebrate that God came near. He put on flesh. He became a baby in a manger to these teenage parents who had no idea what they were doing about parenting because you're always a really good parent until you get kids. That's how it works, okay? So they were trying to figure out how to parent this amazing young kid who had these amazing teachings, even from a young age. And, and then he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man until he began to have a following. He had these 12 disciples that followed him. And then crowds started following him because he was teaching these amazing things about forgiveness and about loving your neighbor as yourself and about walking the extra mile with someone these unbelievable sermons, a sermon on the Mount where he, he taught about all the different facets of this life and how you could live a life that was in some ways upside down from what the world was expressing, this kingdom. He kept expressing about this kingdom, this kingdom that was at hand, this kingdom that was here, this kingdom that was now. And at the pinnacle of his ministry, he is wrongly accused, placed upon a cross, and even in his death, he is yelling out in his anguish, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing to pay the penalty for our sins, to become the ultimate sacrifice for us in our place. And then he died, staying in the grave for three days. 
Three days where his disciples didn't know what was going on. They're they feeling helpless and, and discouraged. And, and yet on the first day of the week, as we celebrate on Easter, he rose again from the dead, defeating sin and defeating death. And, and then he appeared to over 500 people. Over the course of about a month and a half, he, he appeared to a, a whole pile of people who, who accounted about this. They, they wrote things about this. We have accounts in the Bible about these folks and they had nothing to gain from it, right? If they had something to gain from it, maybe that'd be a little bit weird and, and maybe there was something for them, but most of them died because of their testimony about Jesus. They had nothing to gain from it and yet they shared this message that changed thousands upon thousands upon millions upon millions and the gospel has gone forth that Jesus died, rose and ascended into heaven and we are waiting his return. That the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. And people ask me, when is Jesus coming back? We're one day closer, you guys, okay? We are one day closer. Uh, this morning, I woke up. I, I, I hit my snooze button. And I was like, dear Jesus, please come this morning. I hit my snooze button. I woke up 10 minutes later. I was really sad. But then I was like, oh, I get to preach today. Okay, right? We're one day closer to Jesus coming. The kingdom of God is at hand. Here, here, let me give you a little summary of what the gospel is. The gospel is this. The gospel, I'm looking for a reaction here, just letting you know. Like that's totally baiting you, but here we go. The gospel is the incredible, awesome, wonderful, breathtaking, spectacular news that the kingdom of God is here. That was, that was significantly better than my nine o'clock crowd. Okay. <laughs> I reminded them of the Cat Grizz game, as I might remind some of you, and you were painted, and there was something to do with fireball involved, and you were like, woo, right? And you just apparently don't get that excited about the gospel as you do about the Go Cats Go. Okay. It's this it's this thing that you're talking about, hey? It's this thing. I love it. I love this. It's the incredible, awesome, wonderful, breathtaking, spectacular news that the kingdom of God is here. That's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the implications of that in our lives and the ripple effect into the world around us because of the good news. Before we get into the book of it, I want to, I want to point out two things, Okay. Number one, it's news. It's news. I want you to think about this. Like, it's news. There's a lot of things that aren't news these days. You, honestly, okay? And I'm not, I'm not going like the fake news route. I'm, this is a whole different route, okay? Right? Like, news has become weird, has it not? Like, I did a whole bunch of study on news this week, and so my algorithm changed, and so my phone was, like, giving me news headlines a lot more, because that, I don't know, it knows me better than I know me, and that's weird. That's a whole nother sermon. But anyway, so, so the zeitgeist is, like, feeding me stuff, and, and I, get this, I, I get this message yesterday. No joke. Not even, I'm not even preparing for a sermon, but I get this note from Apple News. <laughs> it says, uh, a billionaire's backstabbing best friend. This is Apple News. I'm like, that doesn't sound like news. The secret danger between with big cars. I was like, that sounds like gas prices. That's not newsworthy. Okay, right? And then so I like there was something about did Tom and Giselle have Thanksgiving dinner together? I don't know. I don't care. 
It's not news. It's not news. Like, I, I lo- listen, and social media has made it worse, right? Like, I love that you had a great Thanksgiving and that your table was Pinterest worthy. I get it. It's fine. Not news to me. Not news. Okay. Like the, the fact that your kids scored their first goal, not news. It's awesome. Good job. Good job, kiddo. Like when we, like so, pre-social media, you and some of you know this, right? Like this is how the conversation go. Hey, how did little Johnny's soccer game go? And they would be like, oh, it was actually a draw. <laughs> United States versus England. Uh, anyway, that's weird. Um, not, some of you will look that up later. Okay. It's, it's draw. Okay. How did little Johnny's soccer game go? And then, and then the mom's like, well, he, he played really well. I think he, I think he did really well. And then the dad's like, not really. <laughs> they barely got in the game. But that's how the news went back in my day, okay? Now it's like all over social media. We know about little Johnny and how great he is. He's going to be the next soccer player star in the World Cup and go draw, draw, and um, not actually win a game. Um, it's not news, I'm talking about news. We're talking about news here. That God has come to be here with us. And we're not just talking about news someday, okay? Like that's part of the problem we have with the gospel. And we have with the gospel is that we we sort of treat it like it's it's someday. We're going to like, Jesus comes back and we all get a harp and a cloud and an oversized diaper. You know what I mean? And like, like, or, we, or we sell like fire insurance, like health sure seems bad. You should not go there, right? That's not good news. It might be okay news, but, but that is not the fullness of the gospel, the good news. News is meant to be shared. It's meant to be proclaimed and, and it's meant to be proclaimed here And now, listen to me, listen to me. God wants to be with you here and now. God wants his kingdom here and now. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's not far away. Stop waiting. It's not gonna happen someday. Stop waiting. It's here now. You know who said that? Jesus. So he got it right. We should get it right. The kingdom of God is at hand. He came to be with us. This is breathtaking. This is beautiful. This is unfathomable that God would come near to us, but it's true. And so what does it do for us? I want to talk about two implications of the kingdom being here and now. Two implications. Number one, it's better than you think. It's better than you think because it changes my life. It changes my life. Have you guys, have you guys been around on Baptism Sunday? For like last time, hands up. How many of you have been here Baptism Sunday? Isn't it amazing? It's like, just, you just cry. I just cry the whole time. I'm like, this is amazing. Because you hear these stories of transformation. I had a guy come into my office. This was years ago first in ministry, and I was at a big church in Colorado, and God comes into my office after like a 48-hour bender, and just messed up, trashed, trying to get his life together, and about to lose everything. Going to lose his, going to lose his wife, going to lose his marriage, going to lose his kids, going to lose everything. And so I sat down with him, and I said, hey man, um, sounds like you need a shift, a change, 
something different in your life and say, man, I'm at, I'm at the bottom. What do I do? And I just said, hey, I'm, just, I'm gonna give you this Bible. So I gave him this big old study Bible. I said, it's got notes on the bottom of it. Like if you get confused, you can read those notes underneath it. I highly recommend it to those of you who are new to the faith. Get a good study Bible. It is worth its weight in gold, right? And read the notes and things that confuse you, read those. So I gave that to him and I said, hey, let's, let's just start meeting together once a week. And so uh, let, let's just work through the gospels, okay? So the gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the accounts of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, firsthand accounts by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Okay. So I said, let's just start working through the gospels together. We'll read them, you know, a little bit at a time once a week. So he comes back the next week and I'm like, okay, how far did you get? And he's like, I'm done. I got them. <laughs> like, what? He's like, I read them all. I just, I loved them. It's amazing. This Jesus guy is crazy. He's, he's amazing. And so we just started talking about this Jesus guy. And then we started reading more of the Bible and more of the Bible. And he just had this voracious appetite to know more about Jesus, more about scripture, more about the word. Fast forward six months later, I got to stand in front of the congregation with him in a big baptismal. And we got to baptize him and his wife was standing right here, just crying her eyes out, holding her little baby boy. And they reunited their life because their life was changed. It was transformed. This is what the gospel does. The gospel changes our lives. That's why I love Baptism Sunday. We get to hear stories of transformation. You have that story in your life. And if you don't, can I just just prod a little bit? Why are you waiting? Like, why wait? If you got questions, this is the most important thing for you to answer. So ask them. If you're concerned, it's the most important thing for you to be concerned about. And so I'm glad you're concerned about it. And so I think you should continue to be curious and explore. But, but for those of you who know this, it has changed your life. It's changed your relationships. It's changed how you deal with your finances. It's changed how you deal with parenting. It's changed how you deal with your work. It's changed everything for you, the gospel. It changes my life. This is what Paul is trying to explain to us in verse nine through 13. So he says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, that's what happens on baptism. They say, Jesus is Lord. He's the boss. He's the king. He's the king of the kingdom that is here and now, right? Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved for it is with your heart that you that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame for there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Brian Preby talked about this a couple weeks ago. The difference in Christianity and every other faith is that for the God, you have to do something. The thing about Christianity is you don't have to do anything because he did it all. You just have to receive a gift. Does that make sense? Again, in a couple weeks, we're gonna give gifts to each other and you can, you can reject gifts but that doesn't mean you bought the gift. That doesn't mean you got the gift. That doesn't mean you earned the gift. You just said no to the gift, right? And if you take it and it's not really a gift, that's called five to 10, all right? If you know what I'm talking about, it's prison. Anyway, okay, some of you haven't been there, okay. 
<laughs> so, so what do you do with that? Do you receive that gift, freely given, not earned? Or do you reject that gift? This is what Paul is talking about. Will you say, yes, Jesus is my Lord. Will you call upon the name of the Lord and be saved? Because if you do, it will change everything for you. It will change everything for you. And so we ask here at Journey that our faith would be personal, but not private. It's one of the things you heard Bob say often. Our faith is personal, not private. A very personal conversation we're having right here, right? Like this is a very personal moment for many of you. And that decision to call Jesus your Lord is a very personal moment, but it's also not a private moment. It's not a moment you hide. It's a moment that you share. And that's why we do the testimony videos. We wanna celebrate with people. We wanna encourage each other. We want to be reminded of God's transformation in our own lives because sometimes that becomes dull. Sometimes it becomes like, well, yeah, Jesus saved me, but I just keep doing the same stuff. Well, then did, like, what's going on with that? Like, what is that? What is that? Did Jesus change you or not? Is there something new inside of you or not? That is why we say we live this out loud for us. We live it personally, but not privately. We live it within the context of, of our church family. So it changes everything. And then secondly, um, it changes the world. So I actually think we get the first part of Paul's stuff pretty good. Like we're evangelical, which once again, new people, that's like just a fancy word, right? So um, for, for like speaking the good news, but evangelical um, we get this really well in the evangelical world that Jesus is my personal savior. He loves me. I'm special. He, like he, on, his, on the phone is my picture of Jesus's phone is my picture, everybody. Look, he's, I'm his background. Okay, we get that. Like we get that pretty well in our faith. But this is the part I want to push us on. Second implication, that it changes the world. So I think we're short selling ourselves and short selling the gospel in this point. I want us to understand the ripple effect of the gospel and the, the bigness of the gospel. See, see, the gospel is better than you think it is, but it's also bigger than you think it is. It's also not just about you. It's about the world around you. And that's what I want to spend the remainder of our time on together. Because here's what Paul says in verse 14. How then can they, who have not heard the call, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. See, our faith the gospel, it's bigger than we think it is, but it needs to be shared so that it can have the ripple effect it was intended to. I've heard it, Brandon, say this way. The gospel came to you on its way to someone else. The gospel came to you on its way to someone else. I was reading a, a book called A Hole in our gospel by Richard Stearns preparing for this. And he said it this way, our faith should make us different and it should make a difference. Our faith, 
Our faith should make us different and it should make a difference. He is in charge of world vision, which impacts hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people around the world, especially uh, with the AIDS crisis in Africa. And, and, and so he is well-versed on what is happening and the ripple effect of Christianity upon the world. And so he says our faith, it should make us different, but it also should have a ripple effect and make a difference in the world. And how do we do that? Here's how we do that. We do that through preaching. I love preaching. I, like if you can't tell... I love me some preaching, okay? Like I was trying to total it up. I think I've preached somewhere north of 600 sermons in my life. And I love preaching. And I I want us to understand that as we share, we need to get a little more comfortable with this idea of preaching. I had this conversation with a guy uh, just a couple weeks ago and he said, doesn't preaching seem outdated? And I, I, like, I... I get that conversation from people from time to time. Like, doesn't, doesn't it seem outdated? And I'm like, no, preaching is not outdated. There's this incredible lineage of God's prophets in the Old Testament who would come to the people and say, repent, repent, turn from your ways and turn back to God. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and the first thing that he does, he grabs a scroll from Isaiah and he reads that scroll and he gives a very short sermon. And he, basically the sermon is like, Hey, you know those words? It's about me. That's his commentary, okay? It's a sermon. He goes on to preach the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most remarkable sermons ever preached. And then the birth of the church is birthed out of preaching. Peter speaks in front of thousands and thousands of people, and he tells them the story of God's people and the lineage of God's people and Jesus coming and dying on the cross and raising from the dead and going to prepare a place for us and coming back someday. And the people are cut to the heart, and they say, what shall we do? And he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And over 3,000 people get baptized that day. You think Journey was awesome? I would have liked to be in there that day, okay? Now that's a sermon. And the church is born in that moment out of the power of preaching. And this is what preaching is. Preaching is proclaiming the news that the kingdom is here. Proclaiming the news that the kingdom is here. And and there is a specific call to this preaching. I I, want to make a differentiation here. Right? There is a differentiation around what I am doing right now. There is a differentiation around getting in front of folks, opening up scripture, trying to open our eyes and encourage us and challenge us and push us to see Jesus more clearly, to respond to Jesus, to allow the Holy Spirit to, to become more almost like, like, like alive in this place that we might respond to him. There's a specific calling on that. In the first, in the first uh, service, I... I pointed out uh, Logan Holloman. I think he's kind of like an up-and-coming preacher. And um, love him, encouraged by him. I think he has gifts in preaching. I think he has a calling for preaching. Uh, I want to encourage that calling. And, and, and then I had a couple guys walk in today uh, for this service. And I'm going to honor you guys because I want to honor Derry Long. And where's Jim Kena? I want to honor Jim Kena because they are preachers. They have preached God's word faithfully. Throughout their ministry, they continue to preach God's word throughout their ministry faithfully. Thank you for what you have done. You were called to this. 
You rose to this. You're still rising to this. Jim said to me before the service, I'm not retired yet. Everybody thinks I'm retired. I'm just, I got lots of things going on, okay? <laughs> Faithful servants here at this church at Efree, they were called to specific preaching, and, and I honor you in this moment. There's also a different kind of preaching, though. There's a preaching the rest of you are called to, okay? You're called to be a preacher. And here's what I wanna encourage you to think about. How are you proclaiming the news that the kingdom is here? Martin Lloyd-Jones, I was reading one of my favorite, I have a whole shelf of preaching books, okay? This is how much I'm a preaching dork, okay? I love preaching. And there's a book called Preaching and Preachers by Martin Lloyd-Jones, very impactful uh, title. but I wanted to share one section with you so that we could actually think about the, the beauty of those specifically called to preaching in a church and then the, the beauty of the general call for us to preach with our lives. And, and this is what he said about what, what a preacher needs. He says this, the love of God, the love of souls, a knowledge of the truth and the Holy Spirit within you, these are the things that make the preacher. The love of God, the love of souls, a knowledge of the truth, and the Holy Spirit within you. These are the things that make the preacher. And I want to say to you, all of you have access to those things. A love of God, a love of the truth, a love of those who are lost, and the Holy Spirit inside of you. All of those are accessible to all of you. And and this is how I want you to think about it. What sermon does my life preach? What sermon does my life preach, okay? If your life was a sermon, what would be the title of it, okay? What would it be? Lost in translation? Is that a no? Huh? <laughs> what would it be? Pride and prejudice? Brian just talked about that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> okay, right? What would the title of your sermon be? Great expectations? Like, oh, someday it'll get better, right? What would the title of your sermon be? Your life is being preached. You are preaching the gospel. You are proclaiming the truth about Jesus every single day to your coworkers, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your kids. I was very convicted of this in the first gathering as I was speaking, which is parents, parents. It is our job to preach and proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God being here and now to our kids is nobody else's job. It's not my job. It's not your school's job. It's your job. You are the pastor in your home. You're the preacher in your home. That doesn't mean you need to preach at your kids, but here's what it does mean. They're already watching your life. And this is super convicting for me. I, like I said it at the first service and I was like, oh no, oh, I gotta preach a better sermon this week, Right? What sermon is your life preaching? How are you proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God is here and now? So what sermon does my life preach? And then the second question, who am I sent to preach to? See, this is what Paul talks about. How can people know if they never hear? Like you might think everybody knows about Jesus, right? No, that's not true. It's just not true. 
In fact, some people, they've been to church their whole life and they never heard about Jesus. They heard about rules and regulations and being a good little girl and getting on Santa's list, but they never heard about the good news of grace, unmerited favor given to us. And beyond that, listen to me, we live, like we live in a day and age that people are like, oh, we're post-Christian. And I'm like, that is awesome. Do you know why that's awesome? Because everybody needs it. We assumed for a long, long time in this country that everybody knew it. Guess what? They didn't. And they don't more than ever. Your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, they need the gospel from you. You might be the only gospel that they get to hear. That's how it works. And I'm just telling you, you can find a way. You can invite them to church. Brandon talked about this, right? Come up here. I, like, just bring them here. Tell them the guy yells a lot and tells some jokes that are occasionally funny, right? Okay? And then if, he, if not, then Bob like, has good, really good sermons. Like, tell them that, okay? Invite them to Christmas. Invite them, better yet, into your home. Show them that the gospel has changed your life. Show them how the gospel has changed your life, how you're more generous and sacrificial and patient and kind because of what it has done in your life. Allow that ripple effect to happen. Who is God sending you to? Any, like anybody grow up in the church? church? Church brats, unite. Okay, my church brats, I love you. Okay, did you have a missions board? <laughs> We're gonna get really geeked out here on church stuff right now, Okay missions board. It was usually like this big board, come walking in, you like to get to the organ, uh, there's like a big board and it's usually got felt on it and like some people and they're in like dressed funny and they're in different countries and you're like, oh, those are our missionaries. And here's what I would just say to you. That was a false dichotomy. You're called to be a missionary. I said this in the first gathering, I'll say it again. If some of you are like, what do you mean? Should I go to Africa? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you should. What do you mean? Like Jesus wouldn't tell me to like sell everything and and go to a third world country. Yeah, he would. He might. He did it to other people. He might do it to you. Right? At, At the very least, he has sent you into your neighborhood. He has sent you into the, the sphere of influence that you have in your everyday life. Would you embrace this? Would you let the gospel transform you and then transform the world around you? What would happen if we took this serious church? Like I can't preach this hard enough. I can't yell loud enough to get this through. Like what if we took this serious? That the gospel changed absolutely everything for me and can change everything for you? What if we stopped thinking money could change everything or politics could change everything or just if we can just finally get science or education right? What if we actually believed in the power unto the gospel, which is salvation for everyone who believes? What if we believe that for real? What if that got deep into the marrow of our souls? What if that changed us and what if that changed everything? Here's three tangible ways. Woo! Three tangible ways. I am sweating, okay. 
Three opportunities, three opportunities for you to grow your gospel perspective. This is a soft landing, okay. Number one, uh, I want you to think about sponsoring a child. Uh, we have this ministry that par- we partner with called Elevate Orphan. 70 kids or so there, and about one third of them are sponsored right now. We can do better than that church. So there is a QR code on your screen. Ask any of the staff members around here about it, and we would love to help you sponsor a kiddo, uh, Elevate Orphan, amazing ministry. It's also uh, partner to point number two, the Advent Conspiracy. So one of our partners is Elevate Orphan, and uh, we also have partners like the Warming Center. We have partners um, like the uh, Food Bank, and we have both uh, local and global ministries that we get to support throughout this year. So, man... I said to Brandon, what if we just had like this banner year so we could glorify God um, with what he's done through what he's given to us? And then lastly, uh, the perspectives class. In the new year, um, there's going to be a class. Brandon will gush about it for hours if you let him. So talk to him if you're interested. But it's this amazing class, a 15-week class that will help you get a more global perspective. And honestly, uh, for some of you, it might be the first step to like you ending up in Africa. So if you're freaked out by that, you should probably go. Um, Perspectives class. Uh, Let me end with this. I I hope this season is filled with joy and thanksgiving. I hope this season of Advent is filled um, with laughter and family gatherings and gifts. But I really, really hope this season is a season where we can dive deeply into the good news of great joy that is for all the people. Today, in the town of David, the Savior has been born to you. He is Jesus Christ, the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to respond to you. We thank you that you've loved first, and that because you loved, we can love. Because you sacrificed, we can sacrifice. Because you came close, God, we can, we can receive that. We can come close to you. Thanks that you're not a God who's far away from us. Thank you that you're a God who has brought a kingdom unlike any other. Thank you that we get to participate in that, and I pray that we would be heralds preachers, proclaimers of your truth, of your goodness, your grace, your love, your mercy, and all that you offer to us. I pray, Jesus, um, that whatever way you're asking us to respond, we would listen, that we would respond. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.